Hello and welcome to The Planet Today, where we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy. It's Monday, August 7th, 2023. I'm your host, Matt Norton, here with producer and co-host Nick Janusa. Nick, happy first Monday of August. Hey, happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're getting up to the sun. Hope you're just getting a big fat coffee in your mouth and uh, just enjoying the day. It is a great Monday to have a good day. Uh, this is our first mini-sode in two months, which is a little weird because last month we were off. So if this is your first time joining us for one of our mini-sodes, as we call them, we do two quick current event stories just to give you a feel for what we do on our longer 30-minute Friday show. Um, it's a great intro to TPT, just like this was a great intro for TPT. Before we get started, we have a quick word from one of our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. We have two stories for you today. The first one is by Rebecca Hersher of NPR, who writes, El Nino will likely continue into early 2024, driving even more hot weather. So if you listen to Friday's episode of our show, we covered a few stories about how hot July has been and how the weather we're experiencing is primarily because of two things. Climate change in the long term, and in the short term, we're experiencing an El Nino weather pattern. And that's a climate pattern where warm water goes towards the equator in the Pacific. And that's going to result in warmer global temperatures as wind and the jet stream push that warm air all around. This current El Nino is expected to last until March of 2024, meaning that the warm weather we're experiencing will most likely continue for the next three months at least. And we're probably going to also experience another mild winter. So this article closes by stating that the chances of 2023 being in the top five hottest years on record is over 90%. Like almost definitely going to be top five hottest year ever. Might be the hottest year ever, which would unseat, I believe, 2016 as the current record holder. Mm. For reference, every single year in the last eight years has been in the top eight hottest years on record. So what we're seeing is like a trend that unfortunately isn't going anywhere. And I remember last summer and the summer before that, if you are a long-term listener of TPT, Nick and I just kept pumping out heat story after heat story and talking about wildfires and drought and heat stress. Oh, yeah. Summer gets very gloomy as a listener of this show because you're hearing a lot of the same stories in a lot of different areas. And that's not going to change. And unfortunately the last two years have been part of La Nina, which is supposed to be colder. But those were still part of the eight hottest years on record. 
So now you're getting that compounding effect, like I said earlier, about climate change making everything hotter plus an El Nino climate pattern, meaning that what is already getting hotter is going to be even hotter than that. So sorry to start this Monday off with a a tough story, but that's kind of your breakdown for what is happening here. Yeah. And unfortunate that it's a Monday morning, we have to put this news on everybody, but it's just a reality, you know, like, yeah. And if, if, that last line that you read that the la- the last eight years have been the eight hottest years on record is not a wake-up call. I don't really know what will be. We just said on Friday's show that July was the hottest uh, month on record. Mm-hmm. Another huge wake-up call. Another one like where you're like scratching your head over why we don't have substantial climate change policy on our desks. Um, if you're in Congress, I, I don't understand. So. I mean, the answer is it's the same thing it's always been like it's, it's money, it's capitalism. It's the fact that people are profiting off of a do nothing approach. The current system that we live in has made a lot of people a lot of money. And now they can use that money as political power to say, hey, this whole climate change thing, not real, which turns into, hey, this whole climate change thing, it's real, but but we're not causing it. And now yeah. it's, oh, climate change is real and we definitely contributed, but it's going to cost so much more to prevent it than it is to just adapt to it. And, and like, that's wrong. Right. You know, yeah. we're looking at a, a, a system that if we don't act now, it's going to be way more expensive to have to, you know, build seawalls. Right. And, and like, we're going to have to do that in certain places. I, I saw I think the New York times put out an article last week about sea level rise and the, the cities that are going to be underwater in 50 years. You know, there are so many coastal cities that we rely on for culture, for trade, for tourism that are going to have to really heavily adapt because of climate change. So, yeah, you know, it, it's definitely frustrating. And, and to your point, we don't have substantial climate action on the international stage because unfortunately the the countries that hold all the power are the least impacted. So here in the US like we're experiencing severe drought in certain areas, we're experiencing water loss in certain areas, sea level rise in other areas, but for the most part we live in the richest country on the world or in the world so we can adapt to it. We have the the funding to, to yeah. prepare for it. But then you look at other countries like I know like Bangladesh is considered ground zero for climate change. Bangladesh is not as rich as the U.S. It's it's much more urgent for them, and they unfortunately do not have the capital to prepare for it as much or to act on it as much. So that's why it's a power dynamic is really the only reason why we we don't have anything in front of us. If the U.S. was going to be the most heavily impacted, you bet we would be doing something about it. So Oh, yeah. It's, I don't know. This is a this is a frustrating way to start off the show, but there's a lot of sociopolitical factors that go into why we're not doing anything, and that's uh, unfortunately something that has taken far too long to adjust. Yeah, and also something that we've talked about on this show at length for you know go back yeah. to any of our episodes. I'm sure this exact discussion has come up. So, all right, our next story is from Wanjohi Kobukuru of the Associated Press, who writes, Africa's wildlife parks managers meet to boost conservation. So uh, editor's note here, one thing we like to do on TPT is if we just hammer five minutes of hard climate change news in your face, 
we're going to follow it up with something a little bit more positive. So let's close today's episode out with a positive wildlife update. Last week, officials met in Kigali, Rwanda, as part of the first ever Africa Protected Areas Congress with the goal of preserving more land and more marine wildlife. The article states that only 14% of Africa's land and inland water ecosystems and 17% of coastal and marine areas are protected. Despite the lack of funding, over 100 countries across the world aspire to expand conservation efforts and protect wildlife. A key point for this Congress is figuring out the issue of developers encroaching on protected lands. Ken Moath, the policy coordinator for BirdLife International in Africa, is quoted in this article as saying, the push for development in protected and other key biodiversity areas is one that government and stakeholders should critically interrogate during the Congress. Some encouraging news is that the regional director of the International Union for Conservation of Nature, or IUCN, Luther Anuker, said that local communities and indigenous people will be at the forefront of these conservation efforts. A major goal for the Congress is bringing wildlife parks and reserve managers, scientists, and indigenous and community leaders together to improve Africa's overall biodiversity and decrease Africa's poaching and illegal wildlife trade. And that's something to me that is super encouraging because we've talked about this on the show. I, last time we talked about um, the peacock turtles, I forget where, but the best way to focus on conservation is to incorporate the people that live there, is to incorporate the people who are, are mm-hmm. there day in and day out and can tell you, yes, here's where X animal goes during the day. Uh, this is their watering hole. Talk to the indigenous communities that have been living there for generations. Talk to the local communities that have been building their homes there, you know, talk to the people that see this on a daily basis. And those are going to be the people that ultimately become your experts in the field. You know, you you can't just go in and say, I am a conservationist who studied at whatever university. I am the top wildlife ecologist in the world and expect to know all the answers. You know, it takes, it takes that person, but it also takes the people who like I said, are living in that same ecosystem with these animals that we're protecting, with that vegetation that we're protecting. Talk to the fishers that are out in the oceans with this marine wildlife. You know, get everyone involved, and that's how you get this multifaceted approach to biodiversity, which is something that we should all absolutely care about because it impacts every single one of us along the food chain. Yeah, I I compare this to. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna go start a pizza restaurant or you know, a, a yeah. burger restaurant. You don't think you're gonna go to every burger place in town, try it out, see what you like, see what you don't like, and and then go from there and build your own thing uh, according to that. Like this is exactly the same thing. Yeah, all of these wildlife park managers meeting is only gonna help each and every one of them go back to you know their their home base and do even better work and have more. Uh, you know, of a plan on on what we're trying to accomplish and how we can preserve more land and more marine wildlife. Yeah, it's it's a global problem that we're all facing is it's a biodiversity crisis. And the best way to combat a global problem is find a global solution. And that's not to say that what works in Zimbabwe is going to work in Tanzania or, you know, even within those yeah. countries, different regions of the country. But I guarantee having all these wildlife park managers come together and pool your resources pull your knowledge, come up with good plans together, every single person involved will walk away better for having done this. No question. Yeah, no question. 
So the last thing that this article mentions is the link between climate change and biodiversity and specifically how protecting wild areas can decrease carbon dioxide emissions. If you are interested in anything that we just talked about or biodiversity specifically, I would highly, highly, highly recommend two interviews that we did last month. The first is Dr. Doug Tallamy on July 7th. And the second one is Sean B. Carroll on July 21st. Two interviews that I thought were incredible. I I really enjoyed speaking with them and learned a lot from them. Dr. Tallamy works at University of Delaware, which is where I went to undergrad and grad school. And my conversation with Sean was one of the most fun, eye-opening interviews I've done on this show. So if you didn't listen to him last month, please do me a favor, go check him out. Definitely. Yeah, definitely go check those out. Both were fantastic, so... Thank you, Nick. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for today's episode of TPT. We will be back this upcoming Friday for our regularly scheduled show. Yeah, be sure to share this show with at least one friend. And the shorter episode is a great way to introduce them to TPT. Let them know what we do here and what we're about. Please do. We are trying to make this thing grow. And the best way to get involved and help us do that is just double our listenership by everybody telling one friend. You can catch us on social media at Planet Today Pod for more TPT. In the meantime, if you missed Friday's post, we are back. We're also recording this before Friday, so I'm holding myself accountable that I will release one this week. But yeah, definitely go check us out, and we will see you all on Friday. Peace. Peace.